To photograph them is my real test. To get those pictures developed at Blockbuster is my cause. Super NPCs, a Super NPC show. I am your host, Jeremy Schmidt, one of two bastard boys of gaming here with my co-bastard, Connor McCabe. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. (laughs) You know what kind of toll that takes on a person, Jeremy? (laughs) Wow! That is a funky reference, my dude. That's actually good. Man, this is what happens when I get tickled by a joke. I just don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, great. You should see how much he's blushing. It's really, it was That's, worth it, That for the, for the listener at home who doesn't understand uh, what, what Connor just did, it's a, a snip snap is, is, is a reference to, uh, it could be taking a photograph, snip, yeah. snip snap, but also it's a reference to The Office yes. uh, where Michael Scott describes him getting a vasectomy multiple <laughs> times <and> multiple times <laughs> and reverse vasectomies and uh, yeah, <laughs> getting it reverse and yeah. Well, anyways, this is a uh, <laughs> this is a podcast about video games, actually, and uh, it is on a Patreon network. Why am I telling you this? Well, I'm thinking about giving this one out for free. Ooh. I think this would be a timely one to get out there uh, for free to entice people to jump onto the Patreon um, because we are coordinating this somewhat with the uh, release of the brand new Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo Switch that just came out. Uh, as of this recording, this. yeah, last Friday, uh, last Friday, um, but we will be releasing this episode uh, two f- Thursdays from when it came out. So semi-timely, cool. not super timely, but um, eh, maybe we'll release it a week. Maybe we'll we'll switch the order. And It'll be timely for time. people like me who mm-hmm. were excited about the game, yes. didn't buy it, right. and suddenly having all of this uh, FOMO, if you will, which means sure. fear of missing out. Um, and is seeing people they didn't even know like video games post about it and just like, okay, I think I'm going to go buy this this week. So we'll see. Oh, and you know, Connor, I, I got to say, as somebody who did buy uh, the, the new Pokemon Snap game um, I ha- and who has played the first two stages of the game uh, as of this recording, I um, highly recommend it. I think there are going to be some uh, some things that are just not going to be the same. Sure. About a brand new Pokemon Snap game, and that's okay. Oh, uh, Pikachu's not horny anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's, oh. Yeah, I have yet to see one surfboard. On. I, I, oh man, they should have him on a surfboard though. If they don't, that's just gonna. I haven't seen it yet, but Pikachu on a surfboard. It's why we play the game Pokemon Ooh, Snap. You know what? That's funny because that ties into it itself. Surfboard. Like yeah. from the Beyonce song, which isn't that referring to a, like a, a penis, but like we were talking about horny Pikachu, but he's on a surfboard in the first game. Absolutely. This is, Jeremy, I'm going to need you to release this one for free, bro. This is going yeah. great. The meta jokes are sort of eating themselves alive right now, and I'm they all are. about it. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, you know, me and Connor, we have busy lives. That's no secret. We run 
multiple different shows uh, a week and uh and, and many a month and uh sometimes we look at this weekly show and we go shit what are <laughs> what are we going to do and i and uh this was one of those weeks where I, I kind of was like, I have a few things that maybe we could do, but I'm kind of not really excited about anything. Yeah. Um, I think doing an episode about, oh, what was I going to do? I threw something out there. Oh, Towerfall. I want to do an yes. episode about Towerfall. I thrown up, but you hadn't played it. And I'm kind of don't love just like talking at you for an hour about a game. So yes. I'm like, I, I was like, but then I landed on Pokemon Snap. I threw it to you, and you bit on it immediately. And I think it's just it was just serendipity that you know we hadn't talked about it yet. And you know this is a game that obviously means means a you know it means something to both of us. It means a Absolutely. great deal to me. I'm uh, I'm interested uh, though before we get started in uh, anything that you've been playing that you would want to uh, share with the listener. Oh my goodness, yes. You know, it actually might be a little boring to hear, but since this is probably going to go out to more than our you know, our wonderful patrons uh, over at Super NPC Radio, thank you, you're all so wonderful, love you all. Um, I guess I'll share, uh, even though this will be repeating info for them, I am continuing to play, uh, uh, of course, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask on right. stream for The Legend of Zelda Games Club. And, and you gotta tell us what dungeon you on. Yes, so I just, the other day on my Thursday stream, I entered and completed the uh, the Snowhead dungeon. Oh, and yes. immediate, as I finished that, I had I finished that in a, less than a day because, you know, the inverted song of time and I I know that game pretty well. Got all the fairies, so I've got... So I try to do. I'm yes. gonna try to do that in clean runs because revisiting those dungeons, especially Fucking the sucks. last two, the first two no big deal, but those last two, especially Stone Tower, that's a that's brutal. Anyway, I I finished that. I got all the fairies. I, they doubled my magic meter, which is inc- thank thank you great uh, great fairy of Snowhead. <laughs> thank you so much. If thank you're you, listening, and I thank know you, you great are. Fairy. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I had two full days left so i went to the to the uh, the cabin in the mountain town up there i talked to the sword bros they re- they they oh bre- yes. you got it all done in one I, go and it was a, it was really great because it was like 5 a.m. when i talked to them and they're like your sword will be ready tomorrow morning which was in an hour so you know kind of fiddling with the time got that thing went up uh use the uh what's the what of the i forget the name of the the big bomb that you can carry as a goron right opened up that racetrack won that race on my second try got the gold dust took it back got that sword forged and and by the end of the third day my my prize was of course the gilded sword uh it of course helps that i have played this game at least 10 times but it was i did i was like wow that was a really solid session there yeah uh solid run um so I'm having a lot of fun with that game. Of course, it's my my current fave of all time. Uh, I'm continuing to play Professor Layton every few nights before mm-hmm. bed. I'll play for like 30 minutes. It's it's really soothing. It's really charming. I'm loving that. Uh, and the Curious Village, of course. And then lastly, I'm still playing through Eco, which I actually streamed last night instead of Zelda. Uh, Very cool. And and for that, Jeremy, I you know that part where you open up those holes that like shine a light on that yeah. like orb i mm-hmm. did the first one i have the sword and i'm uh, yeah. i've i've been climbing on some pipes and i stopped the waterfall so that's where i am 
so good. It's so good. Such a great time, dude. Yeah. I'm loving it. Of course, on the heels of our uh, eco episode that uh, that you hosted a few weeks ago. Yeah, and great app. If you haven't listened to it, go ahead and uh, roll back the clock and <laughs> turn on the pod. It's a good. It's a good time. Um, I recently went. Uh, camping Ooh. and brought my 3ds and brought my switch and boy if you you would b- probably believe it double fisted bro i almost brought my ps vita as well oh. i was like what am i a fucking idiot like i'm gonna play all three of these consoles on this camping trip i played the switch that was it that's all i played but okay. uh me and mikey stevens friend of the show uh got really we kept trying to find a game to play together it kept being a bust you know every time we turn on a game we'd be like i don't want to be doing this yeah uh but then we finally landed on tower fall and had a really good time playing that so that is a future episode i want to do on this show for sure it is a very fun multi multiplayer game by the developers who made celeste and uh, yes i'm having deja vu now we've even talked about this multiple times on this show i think you might have even played this game at my house i think you might have okay okay like played it at sure, sure, or maybe sure we I all did. played it at your house you know what i mean like i yes. feel like it was one of those times when all of us were together like we gotta do something yeah oh <laughs> um, goodness anyways it's a, re- a very fun game uh beyond that i am playing um returnal which Woo! is a brand new playstation 5 game um have uh i mean it's a got to say this game has got me really excited and it's got me really excited about the future of that console. And oh yes. I'm glad that it's finally here and that we have our hands on what a good example of a next gen title is going to kind of feel like, right? Cause mm-hmm. we've had the early, the launch stuff and those were all great, but you know, it, it wasn't really like a good barometer for what, was to come and i feel like this is a pretty good barometer it looks great it plays great the concept is just so much fun um it is a it is a uh uh, a roguelike but in like with but like with with the ps5 behind it so you know you think about like hades is a roguelike right or or you know uh, Dead Cells is a roguelike, but those are like 2D little farty uh, 16-bit little throwback retro looking games. This is like a full-on control level graphical Death Stranding yeah. level looking game that is a is procedurally generated, has an amazing sci-fi story, really fun to play. Uh, it, it, you know, I hear a lot of talk about people saying that this game is really hard. It it is if you've never played <laughs> not a rogue. for my boy. It's not. Well, it, no, it's it's hard. It's hard. But if you've never played a roguelike, like, like that's what a roguelike is. A roguelike yes. is like it's they're tough, and then you get to that next place, and you oh, you breathe, and then totally. you you go to the next thing, and like it, the whole idea of it is, I I wouldn't say it's hard for a roguelike. Let me put okay, it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it's hard for like a Mario <laughs> Brothers or something. Sure, but it's. Yeah. But Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, I am playing that new Pokemon Snap, and it is um, just a heck of a lot of fun. And boy, we're really lucky to get this new Pokemon Snap, as I would come to find out doing the research for this show. Yeah. Which is, of course, we're talking about the 1999 first-person simulation video game with rail shooter-style gameplay mechanics developed by HAL Laboratory, Pokemon Snap, for the Nintendo 64. Now, uh, Connor... 
I gotta know. What's your history with this old piece of wood? This old thing, this uh, two by four I got sitting here mm-hmm. ominously next to me. Uh, I love this game. This is a game that I didn't own when it first came out. Um, this is a classic played at my best friend Eddie's house. But this game, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into, came out in 1999, I believe close to the summertime. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to get to talk to my friend or my friend whose voice you've heard Charles Mockler on my show about this in like January but this game was such a special experience it was the first time I got to you know any of us got to see these Pokemon in 3D models of course it's not all of them but it was so cool I remember falling in love with it the mystery of it the repeating of the levels um I the the quotes stick out in my head from prof oak the Do very few things roll. he say yeah exactly <laughs> and uh i can't try for sash uh <laughs> you know what he says all the time um but yeah i love this game this is a game that i have owned on uh i think every virtual console iteration that's been offered on which i think is just wii and wii u yeah. And I do have this cartridge now. I think oh. I got it in late high school. I went on a, a brief oh. uh, brief eBay kick and yeah. got a few games, and this was one of them. And, uh, and yeah, dude, I've, I've played it a handful of times. I played it before I did that episode with Charles, mm. and it's fantastic. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's my history with it. Uh, but what about, what about yourself? I, um, you know... I love Pokemon Snap. I uh, it's this is one of the rare cases in my life where I played this game until its freaking wheels fell straight to the ground. Yes. I I ended up owning this one, which is also not necessarily a guarantee for me back then. Like I you know I I owned a handful of games, but you know how when you're a kid, your parents will sometimes just get you stuff and sometimes you end up with like a mixed mash of like oh, yeah. some bad N64 games, some you good could, ones? Like the, the, cha- the time when your parents are able to buy you a game may not line up when you are ready for a game, know a mm-hmm. good game is coming out. You might just be at, not that it's always this happenstance, but you know, you could have to make a choice and yeah. as a kid and turns out that's hard to do. Yeah, I was also bad at guessing like what games were good. Like I remember yeah. like I wanted oh, Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero for the <laughs> N64. And that's like famously a bad game. Yeah. <laughs> so, I own like that's when I owned, you know what I mean? So, this that's game so though, funny. I did, I did own it and uh I played it until I beat it all. I awesome. got everything you could get in that game. I I uh, I maxed out all of the points you could get on every picture of every Pokemon. Ooh, wow! I got all of the secret blah 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 of all the oh, in every yeah. level. You know, once you get all the items, you can then go back and like knock a dang Charmeleon into a pit and get you a can Charizard. And... Peel away some of those layers every so mm-hmm. often. Yeah, I got uh, you know, I I played this game until I couldn't play it anymore, and. I also now, 
own a copy of it from some purchase we did back when we were buying stuff from GameStop. I think this is, you remember that when we were buying yeah. GameStop shit? I, yeah. I remember they had a crazy sale on like N64 games and maybe some other stuff, but yeah, I do. Yeah. So this is one of the four N64 games I have a hard copy of and I, oh. and I bought a little case for it, like a, like a from Etsy. Oh, and so cool. I have a little case for it and it sits on my shelf. Um, you know, I love Pokemon in general. We've we've talked about Pokemon a lot on our respective shows. I, you know, it's I'm a big, huge, stinking fan. It's Pokemon Red and Blue are in my top five of all time, and this game would have been corresponding with those games as like a little side project. And so oh, yeah. I couldn't have been more obsessed. It was in Pokemon Mania when this game came out, and I uh, and uh, just you know, I just have a lot of fond memories of it. Uh, a little bit about this game, Pokemon Snap is, of course, a 1999 first-person simulation video game with rail shooter-style gameplay mechanics developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It was first, of course, released in Japan in March 1999. It was re- later released in June 1999 in North America. I love these, like, this generation, you, si- you start to see the, the, the gaps close yeah with mm-hmm. like the releases like in the super nintendo era or nes era it could be like two years later we would get the game yeah but really though uh in this yeah in this in this era we start to see it close and then and then today it pretty much a game launches worldwide yeah um so it is a uh spin-off game in the pokemon series being one of the first console-based games for it and featuring many pokemon rendered for the first time in real 3d which, I mean, conceptualize that for a second here. Do you remember what it was like to see these little bastards running around in a 3D environment? That was fucking cool. Yes, it was awesome. And you got, I mean, part of the cool thing about that was it's not like they just, you know, even though every time you enter these levels, they are starting from the same point, they are having similar activity, but you could interact with them. And so you got to, it felt like they were real and you were observing them in their environment so yeah dude i remember that was the i think the big draw of this game and then after playing it you you learn what you actually like about it but it was like oh 3d pokemon it could have been like pokemon uh you could have been watching people eat pokemon and you would have been like yeah i'm in i'm in (laughs) yeah i'm in i'm in give it to me and give it to me now and make me think about this 20 years later and feel severe guilt yeah go for it yeah exactly yeah traumatize me please uh game freak (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that, that need, that needed to be said in some way. And I'm glad that like through the gift of Wikipedia, it was uh, illuminated that for me, which is like, just like, but this is pre Pokemon stadium, but you could include Pokemon stadium in this thing of like, all we've ever seen is like the shittiest, littlest, tiniest little freaking, uh, sprites. Yeah. And with like sounds that sound like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then the cartoon, which like the cartoon was was really great, but it totally. was, a ch- it was I want to say it was pretty cheaply done animation. Like you, even that was like you know you know cartoon approximations of these things. This was like what if they were kind of real? And uh, I think you know this was the era where three D 
models in gaming had finally happened and and we even though it was a little crude in a lot of cases it was still became the thing you wanted every version of everything you liked a lot so many of us uh, and I will speak for everyone. Right. Uh, wanted that truly, right. whether or not we knew it was going to be good or, or bad. And so, n- even as much as I also I loved the cartoon and and was a big fan of how it looked, and lo- even loved the sprites for what they were. It mm-hmm. was not, you know, it didn't reach the peak of our expectations, which we're so used to this now with the series. It's all it is, but man, that was cool. Definitely very cool. And do you know what, Connor? We almost didn't get it at all. Huh? And isn't that interesting? <laughs> Tune in to the next episode <laughs> yeah. of Super MVs. And that was part one. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Connor, you sent me a delightful little video uh, that I think we've already shared on our Twitter. If you follow uh, Super yes, MPC yeah. Radio on Twitter, I saw that you posted that a while ago. Hadn't yeah. watched it. And then, you know, you threw it to me. I... Uh, reluctantly over much duress turned it on uh hating every minute of it no i was uh I, <laughs> it was it's a good video and it's a good time and everyone should watch it it is by the mid max people who are yes sort of or at least that guy uh whatever ben it, hansen his name? Yeah. ben hansen yeah um aka uh, he does go by that guy so i think he'll that's yeah, yeah, totally yeah. fair rival podcast i don't care if i don't know his name um, <laughs> yeah rival <laughs> yeah rival podcast uh rival gang don't want to don't want to know um, he made this video this sort of about the development history of Pokemon Snap and it actually is pretty interesting um, you know not every time we do these episodes is the development in history that interesting Truly. this one happens to be essentially and I mean I'm gonna dumb this way down because I also don't want to read paragraphs and paragraphs of Wikipedia yeah. stuff but Go for essentially it. this is kind of a rare case where it was like Iwata and Miyamoto with the help of the earthbound guy yeah, Itoy. <laughs> Itoy, who like all kind of came together and started like a fractal studio, right? Of like developers. And they, at and they, least I, a team. The, yeah, at yeah. least, a, I think it was maybe characterized as a team, but yeah, that's what they did. And which uh, I, I don't know how I didn't stumble upon anything for this when I did the episode with Charles for Call Me By Your Game. Like it's, it, but this was very interesting. Yeah, and I think the idea here was they were kind of trying to get like their rock star developers to kind of come in and without a leader sort of create together a project. And originally this project was called... It's weird because it it was called Jack and Beans was like the name of their little Mm -hmm. think tank thing. But the project they were also working on was also called Jack and the Beanstalk or Jack and Beans. And it was like a game kind of loosely conceptualized around Jack and the Beanstalk. So that in that part, I thought up until watching the, that the MinMax video was the case. But apparently there's actually no confirmation that they were working on a Jack and the Beanstalk game. I think it was more of like the premise of the spirit of like put, bringing this team together and yeah. sowing these seeds. What could it bring forth? Like. Yes. So that's at least my understanding. There is also no definitive evidence that it wasn't a Jack and the Beanstalk project. Yes, we better not open this. uh, uh, Yeah, because he does make Schrodinger's cat. (laughs) Exactly. Like he does. He does make that clear. Like that. Yeah. Ben Hansen can't personally find information about this game, but there are people like who the author of the Wikipedia, for example, who seem to think that this game was about Jack and the Beanstalk. 
you know, as we're saying it out loud, why on earth would you ever make that? I can't even understand <laughs> a scenario where you'd want to make a Jack and the Beanstalk game. Um, at least not from like the prototype that ends up becoming Pokemon Snap. No. What are you taking pictures of beans? Um, anyway. uh, whoa, hold on. Now there's an idea. <laughs> I would only see some Jack and the Beanstalk game. I'm just seeing like Banjo-Kazooie, something yeah. like that. Totally. A platformer avoiding a giant stomping around a home. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps, and perhaps, but and perhaps we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they definitely had a lot of great minds sort of working on it. But this is, get this gets started around 1994, 1995, around that time period, and they don't really come up with anything for a long time. And all the prototypes, though they were announced, and and I think why Jack and the Beanstalk feels like um why people think that is because i think at some gaming show right don't they it, it was first revealed february 1995 a year before the release of uh, uh, yeah anyways uh i think they they like released they like say hey we're gonna come out with this game and it's gonna be called this or it's from the studio of this that makes and, sense yeah um so anyways, nothing happens. They're kind of thinking about shutting it down. And then they have a stroke of brilliance. And I, I love that like in that Midmax video, he makes a point to say like Miyamoto and Iwata have this re- revelation that like, oh yeah, we what we needed for this to work was like uh, like 10 of us, like 10 yes. more of like literally Iwata's and Miyamoto's but they are actually exceptional. <laughs> totally. Like the people that, even though the, the developers that are working with them, sure, are very talented and great and exceptional, they didn't have the drive to yeah. motivate, self-motivate themselves to having the sort of quality that, you know, Iwata and Miyamoto and people like that yeah. share. And I don't know if he ex- they explicitly say this in that same video, but I it also seems to be that that like they needed direction they needed like an arrow or a person pointing them in 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 a spot whereas like it seems like iwata and miyamoto were hoping that like you know this cohesive uh like amorphous blob of people is just gonna is gonna go somewhere eventually but i think what we find is they learned that wasn't the case and they needed to steer it somewhere yeah, and I mean, they start getting like desperate towards the end and even into the development of Pokemon Snap of being like like saying things to the effect of don't even matter, doesn't even matter if this is a good game. Just yeah. make something wild, make something crazy because this is it. Treat this like the treat this game like it's going to be the last thing you do kind of thing. Yeah. And um so basically one of them has the bright idea, the the light bulb idea to make some sort of Pokemon spinoff because mm-hmm. Pokemon right now is hot as shit. Everyone is just drinking from the river Pokemon. Oh yeah. And we all want more and we're all parched. Careful though. There's Grimers in that river. Yeah. Ew. Magikarp's peeing in there. Um, <laughs> no, so, I'm so turned off by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, anyways, once they once they sort of have that in their mind, they start to realize like the whole photo mechanic that they were building their game around from the beginning um, suddenly now makes more sense mm-hmm. and players are going to be driven to do it 
because it's Pokemon, because they're they're gonna want to take pictures of these Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And then they described a couple other gameplay elements coming into place, which we will talk about later, but they have to do with more of the mechanics of how this works, because this is not just a game where you go around and take pictures of Pokemon, contrary to what many people might believe about it who've never played it. Because there was definitely a moment, even when this game came out, where I was myself disinterested in playing this game, Mm -hmm. because a, a photo simulator is not interesting to me and never will be. And if it was, and if that's what this game was, even with Pokemon, I don't think I would have cared. Sure. But because there's a competitive element to Pokemon Snap, uh, I think that's what draws people into it. Yeah. I think it's, it, it is about what is because it's more than taking photos. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, a couple of fun facts about the game before we move on to the story, gameplay, and all that good stuff is uh, that the Nintendo 64 cartridge could be taken to either a Blockbuster or Lawson stores in North America and Japan to have pictures from the game printed on stickers, which is kind of buck wild. Like, yeah. we're, we're talking about a lot of things that just do not exist anymore, like photographs that you print, <laughs> Seriously. Blockbusters, cartridges, <laughs> like none of this stuff. Uh, uh, exists anymore but there was a moment and I'm sure you remember this yeah maybe do you remember going into Blockbuster and seeing the stands there of course I remember these kiosks because my f- we were a we were a Hollywood video family then we were a Blockbuster family once that ate Hollywood video up and so I remember this vividly I I'm certain that I took my cartridge or event no actually I wouldn't have had a cartridge because that would have been because this little baddie that I've got here is is it came to me later in life. But I remember seeing that, and I think my friends would print their pictures. It is interesting that kind of like the Game Boy games that we had in every Pokemon game, there was a way to connect your game to something else. Even if it's just printing, it's like, oh, Pokemon always seems to have a way to um, interact or personalize it and print these your favorite pictures that you take. Yeah, there's always some sort of side peripheral that you totally you, you need for po- and you know what's interesting is even in the Switch there is one. Do you know what it is? Is there, there's like a Polaroid thing you can hook it up to? I feel like I've heard about this. Oh, that actually might exist. Well, yeah, well there, what is it though? I was thinking of that little Pokeball controller that's like the little oh, yes. ball for the, let's go where you can like let's go. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, another fun, let's see if we got, I think I got another fun fact about it. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, it's release was promoted heavily by Nintendo, including being featured in more than 86,000 hotels (laughs) (laughs) and a contest to send the winner to Australia. I would love to later, not in this episode, but later find the details of this contest because it would be great as, what is it? Just the best photo of a yeah freaking sandrew or what i think yeah i think specifically that's what it would be that's so God, I'm over here i'm over here dadding it up too it's a sand shrew sorry everyone but i will name my first son sandrew <laughs> sandrew <laughs> yes uh by the end of 1999 pokemon snap sold 1.5 million copies and was a strong rental title in 1999 after its release it was met with mostly positive reception by critics destri- described as addictive by IGN and Boy's Life and innovative by Electronic Playground 
It has also been compared to other video games with photography, such as Beyond Good, of Evil, Beyond Good and Evil, Dead Rising, and uh, yeah, that's about it for uh, the fun, fun facts and development history of the game. Um, anything from that video that you that I maybe left out that you thought was like really key to this whole story? Um, nothing that comes to mind. I feel like we touched on the thing because I had seen I watched it again today after watching it last week when it debuted. But no, I feel like I took away. A lot of it. The only thing that I would say, which I think uh, Ben uh, harps on at the end, I don't know if I describe it as harping on, but he he touches on is that this was the, it was not the Pokemon team who made this game, which we've right. made obvious by discussing, you know, Iwata, Miyamoto, and Itoi, and whoever else was with them. But so those guys get asked about it all the time. The, the Pokemon game company freak gets people. asked. So yeah, we should distinguish yes. HAL Laboratories versus Game Freak. HAL Laboratories is more famous for making Super Smash Brothers and Kirby. Uh, Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, although I don't think this game has anything to do with Sakurai at all. I don't believe so at all. Um, but he would have been... At, if not if not the president of Hal, but like working for Hal, he is the president of Hal, right? Sakurai. I don't know the answer to that actually. Well, anyways, he's a huge major player in this whole yeah. in, in, in with Hal Laboratories and Super Smash Brothers in particular. But um, yeah, you're right. This is this is Hal, not Game Freak, which is interesting because Game Freak is the developer of Pokemon, and Game Freak has always like maintained some autonomy over Nintendo over their products, which is why you see so many Pokemon games show up on like the app store and whatnot, Mm -hmm. because they do have some sort of creative control, even though they are like so in bed with Nintendo game freak is not like a, I don't think they're owned by Nintendo. Are they? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I think, I think, I think you're correct though. Yeah. It must've been something to do with being so early on in game freaks history, having, I don't know, less power or what, or autonomy or whatever it is to where, you know, the, those dudes could call this sort of shot and make it happen. All right. A little bit of the story behind Pokemon Snap. Connor, you are Todd Snap. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh my god. You yourself are Todd Snap and uh you also are a Pokemon photographer. And you are summoned by Professor Oak to Pokemon Island, a place with a variety of climatic and geographic regions where Pokemon live relatively undisturbed by humans. It, Oak you know, needs it, quality... Pi- <laughs> What's that? I th- something that I only is, uh, is occurring to me now is that is this the only island in the Pokemon world that where they're like, <laughs> that's Pokemon Island and that thing over there, we don't know what it is. Dude, I, I was going to say like, this is so... Um, it's so funny that like and it makes so much sense that like how laboratory developed this game because like if it was game freak they would call it like cinnabar island they would have a yes. name for it they wouldn't call it pokemon island like like it's my dad trying to make a pokemon game it's like calling uh i don't know any any country in the world like person country yeah or people exactly. country yeah yeah weird uh but that's canon. There's there's, a, there's one Pokemon <laughs> Island, and that's 
where you uh, uh, go <laughs> to uh, to take the picture of the Pokemon. Uh, Oak needs quality pictures to accompany his scientific findings and knows from past experience that Todd is the right person for the job. Using a motorized amphibious buggy named the Zero One, which I truly adore to my very core, Connor, um, Todd explores the island and takes photographs of the wide variety of Pokemon that inhabit its environments. The game feature, uh, features 63 of the original generation of 151 Pokemon. I love it. Yeah. Uh, that story, by uh, as simple as it is, I don't know why captured my imagination to a lot when I was a yeah. kid. I was like, oh, like you're on like this mission by Oak. And I think it's important that it is Professor Oak, um, who's like so iconic in the video game universe uh, or in the Pokemon universe, um, who's like commissioning you directly and your correspondence is, is with him directly. And like, you know, because every little kid wants to be Ash, right? Like, Oh, yeah. And I just want to point out that Mission by Oak sounds like a co- cologne line from Professor Oak. <laughs> mission um, mission you know, by Oak I, does. I think I have an idea of why, at least for myself, why I was also really captured by this idea, including what you just shared for yourself. Um, the, uh, the opening of this game, there is an opening, like a little cinematic, where... Todd Snap is like in the forest and this mysterious Pokemon is snapping by. He's trying to get pictures of it. He doesn't exactly do it. This Pokemon, of course, is Mew, number 151. Yes. And and I think to take us back to that first generation and remember how cool Mew was and how rare Mew was and how these legendary Pokemon were such a like fascinating thing a real and a really genius inclusion by yeah. the creators of of the Pokemon uh series to include like a legendary version of these little buggers that you could catch right um i think uh now there are so many legendaries um we know so many ways to get them but mew is rare i mean you, you could only even get it at like a pokemon event or with a glitch yeah. um so yeah, it was just Mew was always so special. So I think that was like, oh, what's gonna happen? We're gonna get a picture of Mew. So for me at least, that was really exciting. Yeah, and I and I want to kind of echo something that you're you're like kind of kind of saying a little bit here that like yeah. there are Pokemon games out there, like for example, Stadium. I I don't dislike Stadium, but I never got really into Stadium because. Oh battling to me it isn't what pokemon is i know that oh, yeah. you battle for most of pokemon i know that most of pokemon is your battling things but catching them all is the spirit of pokemon for me the spirit is how game freak and the and the the i can't remember the guy's name who originally conceived of pokemon how they prey on the 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 dormant OCD within every child <laughs> yes. across the globe who needs to collect everything. Yeah. There's something about Pokemon that is about collecting. And totally. Pokemon Snap, more than Stadium and more than a lot of other Pokemon side games, captures, no pun intended, the spirit of Pokemon yeah. more Interesting. than those other games. Because 
Pokemon Snap is about not catching them with a ball, but catching them with your camera. Yeah. And I think that part of the dialogue, like, as I don't know if that gets said a lot. And I think that ne- that to me, that's why this game I think is so beloved and charmed and talked about. I think more than some of those other games. That like, is a really great point. I think Stadium gets talked about a lot, but I but you know here's a game that doesn't is like, you know the what's that Pokemon game for GameCube that's like, uh freaking uh like Gale of Darkness yeah Gale of Darkness yeah. or you know um yeah XD XD or you know there you know Colosseum or yes. you know there's there's a lot of Pokemon ga- side games that have come out to mild or tepid response, but mm-hmm. this one, uh you know and I'll get into that more in the legacy, but. People like this one. They do. And I think that might be kind of why. Yeah. Um, great. The uh, So let's talk gameplay here just for just for a bit. Uh, this It's sort of hard to describe, but we're going to do our best here, assuming that maybe somebody hasn't played it. And I'm really doing this assuming uh, I'm talking directly to Mikey Stevens because Mikey Stevens never played Pokemon Snap avid disliker of it without ever having touched it Uh, and i do i do think it's because he sees this probably as like this is not a pokemon game this is just like a stupid thing where you go around and take pictures (laughs) so um what if why don't we put his 2k player in the environment (laughs) then he'll see the value of it yeah then he'll then that jumper will be wet as hell um (laughs) so let's let's sort of together sort of explain this to somebody if we're trying to sell them the game so it's it's an on-rails shooter, essentially, right? Yeah. It, at its core, it's just an on-rails shooter. You are on a very slow-moving track. I, An on-rails shooter like Star Fox or Sin and Punishment doesn't even really do it justice because those games are very fast-paced. Yes. This is a very slow-paced, so it's almost like <laughs> an on-rails... Like, think of Small World at Disneyland. Is yeah, sort of it's how like I a walking would... simulator. Yeah, but you're not walking... It's more. It is mo- more like a, a Disneyland ride simulator or something. Absolutely, you're even in a little, you know, a buggy. A buggy, and you're and you're kind of enclosed, so you're safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're 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 you control the cursor with your or the the crosshair with your the left stick, and you snap with like A, and that's sort of what you do at the beginning right as you just take pictures um but pretty soon they start introducing more and more mechanics uh, into the game um so sort of the point is you're trying to take good pictures of pokemon right the closer mm-hmm. they are to your camera the higher score you get the if they are if they're doing a unique action i believe that gives you a higher score right and i believe the which i think this you know looking back on it it's it's i wish there'd be a little leeway here but at the more center of frame the pokemon is the higher score where it's like you know artistically like you never know but like (laughs) maybe i want to have this charizard in the left third of the photo. Right, it's not a good rule of thirds. It's not a good rule of thirds game, right? (laughs) Uh, And I will also say that it's an imperfect calculating system in that, like, 
sometimes you can take a really terrible shot of a Pokemon that'll get a really high score. Like it could be totally bending over, not even seeing its face, but because it's in the center frame and its, its ass is right up on the lens and you happen to catch a little sliver of another Pokemon in that frame. Oh yeah, it'll you get a double high. your score or so. It'll double your or score like or add whatever. something to it. Yeah, so the, the goal isn't to take good pictures and I kind of like that about the game because that's subjective. Uh, the, uh-huh. because the goals are more tangible like center of the frame big as fuck more Pokemon the better if it's casting a you know if it's a Raichu and it's doing a big electric bolt you know it's going to be bet it's going to be a better photo score you know those are things that I can kind of kind of quantify a little bit yeah absolutely uh, I and as we're going to get into soon like it was so fun to try to get those different poses out of the little guys and see what was possible in those different spots yeah so let's talk about poses a little bit so poses are an interesting element to the gameplay itself right where when you first encounter the pokemon the first time you go to the beach level right that's the first level you're cruising around you got nothing but your camera So you're kind of reliant on whatever the Pokemon are going to just naturally do. Yes. Um, But at some point, you start to get accessories to help you along the way. Um, Some of these accessories are uh, apples, right? You can use an apple-shaped Pokemon food is what they're called. (laughs) Um, And that can be used to either stun or attract a Pokemon, right? Yes. So... You know, say in the beach level, as I'm sure there is, like a Pokemon very, very far away. And yes, you've taken a picture of it, but it's a very low score because it's so far. Suddenly, you can start attracting that Pokemon over closer to your cart with an apple and it'll be like really up close to you. Then suddenly, boom, you're, you, you've you got the, you know, five star rating or whatever it is for, for that Pokemon. Yeah. Um, you also start to get things like pester balls. They're able to knock out or flush a Pokemon out from hiding, uh, which is an interesting one. So you can, uh, as soon as you get those, it's like crazy. You can just start knocking Pokemon out left and right, which is <laughs> like fucked. It's like so wild. But you can Truly, also do use, those yeah. things, are those things biodegradable? <laughs> I think not. I think not. <laughs> um, you can also use a, a, a Poke Flute, which is an mm-hmm. object that you can use in a variety of ways, such as Awakening, irritating or hatching pokemon this is used to awaken the snorlax which is yes for the longest time just a big question mark on on your screen whenever you take photos of it yeah like you're you, you even though it's very obvious what the pokemon is <laughs> yeah, your camera and oak can't exactly recognize it nope. but that's that's part of you know going through the game is there are many interactions that you can have like you can tell like oh there's a that one's very obvious then mm-hmm. there are moments where it's like what's this pink ball rolling around you, that could be a couple of things, right? I mean, you right. usually have a good idea, but it's interesting. I, I even think um, like one of the most famous examples that we talked about at the very top of the show is the, I think the first one you have an opportunity to actually do, which is the Pikachu on the beach and the surfboard. And mm-hmm. if you toss an apple close enough or maybe in front of it, the little cutie will hop on it and pose for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, another famous one is I think knocking like using a pester ball to like lob it at a Charmeleon's head (laughs) so that it falls into a pit of lava which and this is just like 
you know, such a such kudos to the developers of this game mm-hmm. for making this like an in-universe sort of continuity, like a fun little I don't know, like a little Easter egg for us us fans. It evolves the freaking thing into a Charizard. Yeah, and he's we, pissed off. And he is not happy. But it's uh it's it's really cool to see like you know, your experimentation pay off what if i did this with this what would happen here and you know i'm i'm playing this game as a in my youth as like mm, the internet's around for sure but i maybe a full walkthrough hasn't been posted to the web about pokemon oh at the time yeah right so i'm using my like intuition i'm just like trying every item on every pokemon just to see what it'll do Will it do yeah. anything? Some most of the time, no. But sometimes, you, a, a good surprise happened, and I feel like they've developed in a lot of a lot of options to happen. So, like, like throwing a pester ball at like a lot of different Pokemon has a lot of different results. Totally. Yeah, it could some of them it just pisses them off, it right. makes them angry. Some of them it knocks them out. Others you get an electabuzz or something to do something wild and like shoot shoot like a thundershock out. So yeah, it, it, and I think what you're talking about with the experimentation and the toying around was a huge draw to just go back into these levels over and over again to trial that you could because unless yes. like you said. If you had, we're looking at the most primitive game fact ever, or you had the guide, it was a really fun time of mystery where you actually didn't know all the stuff you could do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, again, a, a game that rewards experimentation, like, in such a real way from this era is something that I really enjoy. Like, there are games that do it now, but I almost feel like, because of the nature of how big and expansive games can be, like there's almost too many options in a game like Minecraft, for example, where I'm almost paralyzed by all the options I can do and all the experimenting I can do. But in this game, it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's just a lot of like, it's, it's so limited in where, in where you can look and where you can be at any given moment that you can really hone in on certain areas of the level and sort of play around with those areas. And one thing that really helps is when you get that dash um, accessory Ooh, yes. for your ship. The dash engine allows the Zero One to accelerate fast. So say you, I just need that Charmeleon to turn into a Charizard. You can just zip right to that moment. And honestly, when you finally get all the accessories to all of the different... For like, so that you can do basically anything in the game. That's when the game get actually gets fun, and you actually start playing back through all the levels multiple times, having like a really good time, because, um, you just have so much more at your disposal. You just keep keep restarting those levels over and over and over, and just trying new different weird experiments. And yeah, um, another part of that, Jeremy, that I think is so fun is that you there is like a timing element to a lot of this yeah as you're going by these spots i mean you're gonna pass a spot and you could miss your moment to you know knock the geodude off the wall or you could miss your moment to smack that charmeleon at the right angle to toss him into the into the volcano or hit a magikarp at the right spot so there was you know as you go through the level that first time you're like oh all right i'm gonna try to remember that 
right. or and sometimes in some levels there's so much going on that like it almost just becomes like it has to become muscle memory you have to do it a few yeah. times to really know where all those moments are and and or sometimes it takes focus it's like you know what I'm not going to try to take a picture of this, whatever this purple thing is swinging around the room that ends up being a ghastly. I'm actually going to focus over here because I don't want to miss this uh, electrode or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's just really, you know, it, it's a, um, it becomes like this thing where you end up really getting into doing one more run one more run it almost yeah, reminds totally. me of like the same pleasure you would get out of something like a uh, roguelike or something where it's just totally like, do it again do it again do it again i want to see what i can do this time i want to see how i can how i can make this little thing different or tweak this yeah. little part of my playthrough to get this little bit of extra what whatever the case may be um yeah, so the levels are uh i'll read them out we have of course the beach which is probably one of the more iconic stages totally just because so many people have played it and i can i could like draw you a map of it right now off the top yeah. of my head um we have the tunnel which is great a lot of electric type pokemon that is a great one too i love when you get into that big it's towards the end with the machine <laughs> yes dude and that's where the, the with the electrobuzz and stuff is running around there and um, I'm thinking of the right level, right? That's the same yeah, one? Yeah, you are. And the, yeah. there's Magnemites that like at yes, first- Yes, and they're all like, and every time you look at them through the lens, they go, and you can't take yep. a picture of them. Uh, I believe this is also where you see the Zapdos, right? You can make the Zapdos. Yeah, I think that's one of the eggs. I think like just kind of like Moltres in the volcano level, you can hatch the Zapdos egg. And yeah. Uh, volcano, of course, is the next one. Volcano is very fun. Um... We have the river, which for whatever reason, I'm having a hard time remembering the river. The river is sort of, um, well, actually there's there's a, f so the river, it's not, there's the valley one, which is where the Gyarados is, where you're going down the waterfalls mm -hmm. and things get fast paced and uh, and there's the Geodudes and the Santrus. Right. But I believe the river is actually sort of a swampy, like a lush environment with plant type, with grass type Pokemon, some poison types, some waters. There's a lot of trees and stuff. It's it's yeah. it's that one if you remember. That's yeah. I I I feel like maybe like is this where you see the Mew? Because there is a Mew in the game. Is it at the river stage? I don't think so. But in the opening cinematic, Todd is in a lush environment, so they maybe just put him there for the maybe that's what I'm the shots. Of. But Mew is on the last the last the level. rainbow stage. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's the cave. Then of course the valley, which we kind of mentioned, and then the rainbow cloud yes. stage, um, which is funny that rainbow is the end, kind of in keeping with a Mario Kart theme, which is right, not, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly what this game is at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, any stage your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Oh, you know what? I I think I liked. I liked I liked all my kids the same, oh um, but I you know it's hard not to be nostalgic about the ones you played the most, like the beach, the tunnel, say, and the beach volcano. Is, beach is so fun. Um, I also know I remember being very partial to the stages with a little extra mystery and some like uh, object, not objectives because that's not what they really are, mm -hmm. but some moments to discover a Pokemon or to find a picture of the sign, yeah, or whatever. Those moments were the most 
intriguing to me because of that all that mystery around Mew yeah. and, and Pokemon in general early on. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong too, but I was talking to somebody at work today about this game mm. and they were reminding me and I have this vague memory myself, but I didn't have time to look it up, but like is there also like level geometry that takes the shape of certain Pokemon that you can take pictures of? Yes, there is. Uh yeah. specifically I think in the uh I can like one I can give for example in the tunnel the electric uh mm-hmm. heavy stage there's something that once you can turn on this machine and activate the electricity a projector at the right angle will shine on some like machine parts or some like shrapnel yes. and then it displays a projection of a pincer behind it gotcha so you have to, I think it's pincer at least and so there's stuff like that yeah which I think is a Pokemon sign technically uh, those are so cool to try to unlock so there's different like levels of and different things you take pictures of which is uh, also a really fun reason to come back to it so awesome so awesome and I mean like I I think that this game has a couple things going for it one is it's infinitely relaxing yeah like I think this is a very relaxing video game but also, it's just like it's 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 a game that that keeps you in the loop. Like you never want to break the loop because you want to see if you can do it better and better and better each time. Especially when you have all of those tools available to you, it's totally. kind of rough in the beginning because you don't have anything, so you can't really control too many variables. Yeah. So that's at the beginning, you're kind of just doing what you can to get by and see all the shit, but eventually get to a point where you start to get very specific about what you want and the angle you want it at and and how you want to get there it's true so the legacy of this game i want to start by saying is universally pretty beloved i mean if you take the temperature check of like most people who owned an n64 back in the day i think if they got a chance to play this game they loved this game (laughs) um and it sits like sits very high up on their list of like favorite n64 experiences yeah this game doesn't the review scores for this game which are pretty high by the way upper 70s lower 80s don't necessarily reflect i think the the kind of like sentiment that a lot of people right. have for this game. Um, like for example, Pokemon Pinball is another game where I don't know how well that reviewed, but I just know that people like love it. Like definitely they, they go gaga for Pokemon Pinball. Um, and I'm, I'm similar with both where I just think both are just great. And I, I don't know. Do you find that to be true with people you talk to about snap? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, I was thinking about this today. I think a big reason that is has to do with this game honestly being pretty accessible at its base level. I mean, you don't have to do anything to finish mm-hmm. a level. You just sit on the track and you try to take pictures of the Pokemon. You try to interact with them. You could put this in li- in any kid's hands, you know, who has the ability to use a controller, and they can... Yeah. experience it and they can experience the whole way they're not going to get a game over they're not going to like not know how to progress they're not going to keep falling in the same pit every time and I think that allowed the ability for this game to sp- spread in the hearts of so many so many people even if you played it you know one time at a friend's house I, I feel like I do consistently 
hear that. But then also at the same time, those of us who had the chance to really sink our teeth into this game and really explore it and experiment. I mean, I feel like there's a whole different level of love and it's very unique. This is such a unique game. This is one where I think Hearn got this on our the first ever Space Solace episode. Oh, that bastard. He, he drafted that on our fantasy football desert island style episodes that we do on video games, a comedy show. And that was such a great pick because it's like, yeah, there's nothing like it mm-hmm. on uh, in for the most part in games for games in general. I feel right, like. Right. Um, totally agree. Uh, yeah, it is like there's no losing in Pokemon Snap. And I think that that goes yeah. a long way. Like, I'm really excited to try and trick my girlfriend into sitting down with me and playing this game uh, uh, you know, against her will because I think she'll like it a lot. Um, yeah. And if she doesn't, that's it. I'll, uh, you know, I'll murder suicide. So, oh no, please um, don't. No, please I will. Don't. I might do it anyway. I might no. do it regardless. Uh, so, uh, yeah. The other, the other part of the legacy of this, uh, of this video game is that it has a sequel. Now, um, new Pokemon Snap came out very recently. I haven't gotten a lot of time with it, but. I'll tell you this. The reason, or one of the things I was thinking after watching that Mid Max video and sort of researching the history of this game is the reason why we probably didn't get a Pokemon Snap in the GameCube generation or the Wii generation, which I think, by the way, would have produced great versions of this game. Like, totally. Like, there is a GameCube Pokemon Snap that never got made that I want so bad. I know, my goodness. Like, that would have been the perfect era, I think, for a new Pokemon Snap game. Um, and, and then of course I've, the Wii would have been uh, great with your motion controls and even better like you know I think this was said so often was the Wii U Absolutely. I mean or even like they could have done something with the 3DS but the Wii U I think with the you know the 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 game pad would have Absolutely. been sort of a no-brainer. Absolutely. It would have been absolutely great. That thing is basically a camera peripheral in yeah. your hand. Um, but it never happened. And I think it was because of the tumultuous development cycle that this particular development team had with the game, needing so much extra help of people coming in and helping them finish it. Yeah. And um, it generally then... L- being sort of a sore subject for a lot of the people who who worked on it, even though it was a huge hit. It just didn't ever have a sequel um, come out for it. And now it does. Here's a, here's here's that I'll say, you know, the game is great. It's really fun. It's Pokemon Snap in 2021. The things that it has going against it, I think are similar things I would say about the Pokemon franchise today in general. The graphical style is is not necessarily my cup of tea. Some people could possibly love this, um, but as far as like Sword and Shield goes, and even the the Let's Go games, not, I kind of wish they would go a different direction. What that other direction is, I have some ideas, but I'm not a developer, so who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. (laughs) But they're not going that way. They're They're keeping this sort of style. How do you feel about the new Pokemon style in general? I... I feel like I end up falling pretty neutral on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I definitely am not uh, enamored with it. I, you know, I think a lot of people. The sentiment that I feel like I, I do hear repeated is that people would have liked a slightly more real, not like realistic looking Pokemon, but um, a more realistic 
and uh, I guess I don't know worldly a view of the actual world, but see, but have Pokemon be in more of our sort of reality looking place. Mm, but mm. we haven't gotten that yet. Yeah. Um. Uh. And but for me, I'm like you know I sort of fall in between. Sometimes I'm like you know that would be really cool, and other times I'm like this is fine. It's Pokemon. Yeah. What what am I expecting? I, you know, I use Detective Pikachu as sort of an example of like mm. that they didn't get it perfect, but there's something about it I like. And I think sure. that there's something about that you could make a video game in out of yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe making the Pokemon look slightly more tangible. The problem that I have with the graphics of Sword and Shield and in let's go is that it doesn't look like you can touch anything in that world. Like everything yeah. looks like plastic um, totally. But like look at a game like Monster Hunter, for example. Monster mm-hmm. Hunter is Pokemon that you can but you kill the animal instead. Yeah. Uh that's a gr- that's a game that I think you could totally you could just take that graphical style and make Pokemon in that engine and I think it would be fantastic. But this Pokemon Snap game, it's in that it's in that Pokemon Sword and Shield graphical style. Yeah. So Ma- th- yeah. I think the last thing I w- that I'm just sort of thinking about now is you know, I, I'm maybe there is some part of the powers that the Pokemon powers that be where they're like, you know, this idea and concept is a little dicey. Mm-hmm. Having uh, animals fight each other and have, even though they've written into the, I heard this recently. It's like even though they've written it into the into the games that Pokemon like to fight, there's definitely some interesting stuff there. So maybe that's why they want to keep it away Super from cartoon. being too real. Yeah, yeah. And it is still for kids. And maybe like this, there's something that like babies really respond well to this sort of graphical style. I mean. I don't know. That was the argument they always used about those Star Wars prequels that like kids really <laughs> love them and respond well to them. So maybe it's the same thing. Sure. But the other thing is that with the original Pokemon Snap, like it came out in an era of video games where that game just ended up being kind of perfect. Like totally. The like when you turn on Pokemon Snap, that first game, you're in the beach taking pictures of Pokemon within seven minutes. Yeah, it's like, great. There is not a lot of onboarding. It is like Professor Oak says like a few things to you and you get going. It was like 20 minutes before I okay. was like taking pictures. No, not a huge complaint. I'm going to play the that game until the wheels come straight off and then back on yeah. and then back off again. But it's still like... They were just talking so much and introducing me to all these human characters. And I'm like, you know, the isolation of Pokemon Snap is sort of what gave it a really cool atmosphere, right? It gave it a cool vibe. This feeling that I was the only one around for miles was like pretty interesting to me. Absolutely. But now that I'm meeting Professor Ding Dong and his little <laughs> girl assistant and they're and they're at this ranch and there's this whole story and we got to do this and we got to do that. I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like, that's not, I kind of wanted less. Yeah. Here. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, now we don't have 151 Pokemon we have somewhere close to a thousand. Like there's like, there's a lot of Pokemon out there. Um, (laughs) And this game has the license and ability to capitalize on all of them. 
So for every little, you know, croaky you see running around or every little bidoof or something you recognize, you're going to see something where you're like, what in the absolute hell is that Yeah, I didn't know that was a Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And maybe because I just had such a fondness for that original 151 and happened to know those ones inside and out. Like, I think at one point I could even tell you what their numbers were in the Pokedex. Like, oh, yeah, I this I'm sort of like. It's almost like there's too much going Definitely. on. Definitely. You know, there's too many Pokemon flying around you at all times. There's too many options. Um, but I can tell you that from observing the first level, uh, there are a lot. It looks like they have packed it in with a lot of cool secrets and Easter eggs to be found. Ooh. Which is something that's going to keep me really interesting. Like I already, drew, I already went by a little tree and saw a hoot hoot who's just like stuck in one of the the holes, like burrowed into the yeah. tree, and it's like little foots just hanging out. And I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to have to get that hoot hoot oh, out at cool. some point. You know, like I know it's going to happen. So, um, yeah. And there's and there's different variables in this game, and there's like a day and night cycle to the game too, so you can oh. go revisit certain levels at nighttime. Um. So That's yeah, cool. it's it's just it's just gonna be more game. So I'm excited about that. But I will say that there's gonna always be something special about that first game. Something you're not gonna be able to replicate just because time has been so cruel to so many of my pokies, Connor. Isn't it true? And that's gonna do it for the episode. Wow, Connor McCabe. Do you want to go ahead and plug? I'd love to. And by the uh, way, hey. Can- Thank you for doing the show. Hey, thank you for doing the show. This is a wonderful, fantastic episode. I can't wait for so many people to listen to it. Uh, thank you, of course, to our to our patrons. We love all of you over at Super NPC Radio. If you are listening to this and you're not a patron, but you've really enjoyed your time with us today, I encourage you to not only check out our other shows, like I run a show called Call Me By Your Game, which is a, an intimate show where I sit down with a guest, usually one guest at a time, and talk to them about a game that is special to them from their past. Or if you like more of a roundtable style show that I'm sure Jeremy will talk about, in Video Games, a comedy show, um, and so much more, uh, check us out over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, because if you've enjoyed your time with us, I'm pretty certain you're going to enjoy what you find over there and you get a lot of stuff like this. Um, You can also find me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. I stream on Twitch occasionally as well at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69 and that's C-O-N-Z. And you can follow me there where I'm, you know, mostly streaming Zelda stuff right now for our Zelda games club that we're putting on at the $10 DJ toad tier. But yeah, you can always catch me at the stream if you want to come chat Zelda and see what I'm playing. Probably going to still be playing Majora's Mask by the time this episode airs. Jeremy, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Again, like Connor said, we have uh, just uh, a bunch of amazing stuff happening on this Patreon. Uh, so thank you so much to the subscribers who make it happen for us every single week. But also... Uh, you know, if you're interested in giving us a little hard-earned cash for some hard-worked content, well, then you can also join the family at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. We would certainly appreciate it if you did. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another 
um, award-winning episode of Podcasting Glory. We'll see you then. <laughs>